Hey, everybody. Today, I am super psyched about my guest. I interviewed him yesterday and we had a great conversation. I didn't have any questions prepared. I just went into it like I was having beer with this guy and I enjoyed the hell out of it. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Zach Morrow. He is a seasoned real estate and cryptocurrency hedge fund manager who is passionate about helping investors invest confidently into alternative assets like blockchain technology, cryptocurrency, and specific sectors of real estate. Zach serves as the VP of investor relations for Boron Capital's family of investment funds uh, whose teams have created triple digit returns and consistently outpaced Bitcoin. So enjoy this conversation. I know I did. Zach, thank you for being here. Yeah, Matt, happy to be here and uh, look forward to getting a dive into all the exciting stuff I know we're about to dive into. It's going to be fun. Yeah, same here. I'm I'm excited about this. So let's just open the can of worms right now. Within the last couple of weeks, the CPI came out, which and, and I don't even want to get into the the understated nature of the CPI, but we're looking at 7.5%. Yeah. While consumers are now finally becoming aware that this inflation threat is is a real threat, we've got politicians who are blaming it on price gouging corporations and evil CEOs. And uh, so I just, I want to get your take on if, if you were to credit something with the what's going on in inflation, what would you what would you say? Who's to blame for the current inflation situation? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, man, I, I think that it's a really it's a really um, interesting question, but it's also a very nuanced question. And so what right. I would say is it, we talked about this incentives drive things, policies, policies actually make the market and um, you really have a fundamental um, problem when it comes to what's happening right now. And so if you want to open up monetary policy, that's where I would end up going with this question, because the fundamentals of monetary policy within inside the U.S. is a debt based economy. And in a debt based economy, inflation is something that actually is incentivized to be um, to be a part of what our economy works under. Everybody's been told that a certain level of inflation is good. But that narrative is predicated on the idea that our current system is good. So the, the real question to me comes back to, well, is a debt based economy good? And in a debt based economy, you know, would inflation be good? Well, I think the answer would be yes, but good for who? And um, then going back to the policy makes the, the market. Well, we then have to operate with inside that market. So everybody's playing right. within the rules of the game they've, they've been given and I'd say the main shift, though, if we want to focus more on today, would be the main shift would be the fact that we have printed or quantitative easing has become a massive portion of what is a product of bad policy prior to that. So bad policy is what and bad debt is what led to quantitative easing in the first place back in 2008. And then that seemed like it was you know exponential and it was for the time. But then now we really have haven't ever turned off the Fed coming back and continuing to buy assets, continuing to put more money back into the market. And what happens is the more they're buying assets, the more they're putting money back into the market. Well, the idea is that they're going to stimulate the economy and try to create velocity of money. But at the same time, you're going to they're trying to spin plates where I hope it'll move the needle. But at the same time, you're you're trying not to kind of fall on the sword where um inflation runs out of control. And it's a balancing act that, you know, the further and further you get down the road, uh, 
the tighter the tightrope gets, and uh, eventually you're going to run into big problems. So it's a fundamental issue that's been exacerbated by the need for quantitative easing because economically we're not producing goods and services the way that we should. And what that right. leads to is incentive. People are incentivized then not to produce but to borrow, and that's an incentives issue. So I don't know if that answers your question. We can break that up. Well, yeah. In uh, what is it? OMO, open market operations. Um, the Fed buys assets, mm -hmm. and they're going to start slowing down, or they have already started slowing down in the purchase of assets, which include treasuries and mortgage-backed securities and all that. How do you see? Uh, if, if they continue with this QT, what's your crystal ball tell you that that's going to happen as a result of this tightening? Well, understanding that this is just opinion <laughs> yeah. and not financial so, advice and all that. Yeah. And in and, and more than opinion, it's really game theory. So um, whenever we're processing game theory, it's just like, what are all the ways it, it could impact things? And, um, you know, to your question, if there is tightening, when there is tightening, what does that do? Well, right. tightening would become more deflationary, which means that um, the idea is that we're trying to bring the value of the dollar back up. We're trying to rein back in debt. And um, honestly, what happens typically in, at least historically, is that everything overswings in whatever direction it's going. So when we begin with quantitative easing, well, likely we end up swinging too far. And then now we're trying to have to rein it back in. And what happens is we swing a little too far back the other way. So in a deflationary economy, I mean, pe everything's constricting. People are getting tighter. People are less incentivized to spend, which that's the balancing act, right? The reason why money goes back into the system is because they're trying to incentivize people to spend so that you have velocity of money within the economy, which then stimulates growth production and things like that. So, um, however, when we start tightening, well, then there's less borrowing happening, which means there's less money going into the economy, which means people are probably going to start de-risking some. And then you're going to start seeing shrinking valuations. And with shrinking valuations on all of your broader you know, markets, um, the money doesn't move quite as fast as it needs to. And what happens is the overall uh, group of assets becomes, on paper, less valuable. So your prices are coming down, your stock prices are coming down. And then when we see overcorrections, that's what's happening is it's all momentum that, that's moving down. So like huge sell-offs. It doesn't mean your prices have dropped or your values have dropped that far, but your prices have. So right. it's a balancing act. And that's I, I think that it's going to be very difficult not to see pullback and tightening. And you've already seen uh, some of the markets starting to price in inflation and price in the rate hikes that they've uh, discussed. But whether or not they're able to actually move forward with multiple rate hikes, uh, I think still remains to be seen. I think it's I think that part of the strategy is honestly them just talking about it, which then creates some sell off. And then, you know, just by sure. speaking it into existence, you start to have some reaction there. But even though it hasn't happened yet, so people are starting to become a little bit more defensive. Um, but the reality is, you know, this is what big money's doing. And, you know, depending on where you're at, if you're a big money listener, you know, obviously, you know, we're kind of speaking into likely what you're dealing with on a day to day basis. But for your average everyday consumer, um, I mean, they're running into massive problems. Right. So right. Um, they're they get hit way harder with the swings. Right. So, you know, gas is up, what, over 50 percent in the last year. I mean, groceries mm -hmm. are definitely up 25 plus percent. You know, all your all your regular expenditures are all going up. 
through the roof. And that that's uh, middle America and, and below that really gets hit there. Right. Well, yeah. And, and uh, the, going back to the CPI, one thing that I pointed out a couple episodes ago is that they have a, a line item, which is shelter. And they had that at 4.4% uh, year over year. But uh, as a real estate investor, you, you, you can throw a rock and you can find a stat that says that rents have gone up way, way more than that. Yeah. Also, the, the, as the mortgage rate has ratcheted up the co and home values have gone up, the cost to buy a home has gone up as well. So clearly that's understated. So, so middle America, who's a renter, is really getting squeezed you know, in addition to, you know, higher gas prices, higher food prices, but also, you know, rent, which leads back to the argument that assets, investing in assets, whether whether it's your own home or whether it's buying into asset based, um, you know, securities or investments is a way to protect yourself against inflation. I don't have a really a question there, but how do you feel yeah. about the way that your high net worth clients are protecting themselves from this this price pressure upward. Yeah. So um, before we jump into uh, the what to do inside this environment and asset accumulation, which I'm very excited to get into, um, I would say that, you know, what Matt's saying here is he's talking about purchasing power. So we've seen va valuations change. But the real question is, what's your purchasing power? So even if you've got right. more dollars in your account today, do they spend the same way they spent X amount of years ago? And the answer is no. And so that's where inflation really comes in is the prices keep going up. And even, even in like the stock market right now, I, I, I would argue that the prices really haven't gone up, just the multiples on price to earnings have gone up and people see that. So it's not that, right. it's not that those companies are more valuable in the fact that they're producing more dollars. It's they're being evaluated on a higher multiple and therefore they're costing more without any extra production. So that creates an issue too of how things are evaluated, right? So anyways, but 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 the let's talk about a little more solution based. Um, you know, like we talked about, Matt, you know, where and how you place your money is very important right now. I would tell you that in an inflationary environment, which we are very much in, people are incentivized to borrow money. Because right. your money, when you actually take on debt, that debt will be much cheaper in the future than it is today. So right now, if you're saving in dollars, you will likely be hurt the most. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have dollars. It's very prudent to have you know, a strong emergency fund and knowing when and how to deploy your dollars. But leverage right now is one way that you know the top people are really um, going out and setting themselves up for the future. They're borrowing money today, knowing that that money will get cheaper and cheaper over time because of inflation. And they're putting it into quality assets that then they can hold. And those assets will actually capture the appreciation by virtue of just the dollar inflating. So as the dollar right. becomes worth less, the, the balance sheet of that property goes up significantly or that asset. And so, you know, you've got to decide where and how you want to place assets. I would tell you, you know, I'm very much into alternative assets. That's what we believe in as a firm. We're investing into specific areas of real estate, uh, namely self-storage and mobile home communities. Um, we're buying large properties there and we're utilizing smart leverage to go out and purchase these properties to hold over the long term. And then the reason we would go here is because we believe that they'll be able to continue to service their debt, cash flow, appreciate, 
and take care of us regardless of which direction the market goes. Then on the flip side of that, we actually are really into blockchain technology and cryptocurrency. Now, it is a bit of a newer market. And for a lot of listeners, they probably haven't gone that direction yet because a lot of people are still learning like what it is. But from a fundamental level, I think we would all agree that the world is continuing to go more digital. And if the world continues to go more digital, you're going to see more value of movement being placed into areas where technology can be utilized with inside uh, the greater space. And so you even have some financial things like Bitcoin itself is definitely a monetary policy in and of itself. And um, everybody I, that I talk to that goes down the rabbit hole um, is like, yeah, that's a way better monetary policy than what uh, we've been been dealt with so far. And so, right. you know, if you if you like freedom, if you like sovereignty, if you like, you know, controlling your own money, controlling your own future, then I can tell you if you research Bitcoin, you're probably going to like it. So, you know, absolutely. That's that's what we're doing. That's what, um, you know, our high net worth individuals, our groups that we're working with, they're wanting to place money into good assets. And the decision of how you do that um, obviously has a lot of nuance to it. And we could break that down if 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 you'd like to. But um, that's what we're doing is we're we're understanding that in an inflationary environment, utilizing smart leverage is actually your best incentive and then using that to then purchase quality assets because those that are in quality assets will ultimately uh, win in this type of environment. Okay, uh, I couldn't agree more, um, but I do wanna go back to the valuation statement because <laughs> I every time that I look at our current frothy market, and I'm, yeah. I'm almost pretty much out of the stock market altogether as of now, except for mining stocks, that is gold mining and crypto mining, yeah. um, which I've they've taken a complete dump, but I'm in it for for what I see on the horizon. Yeah. Um, but when I look at the price. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And um, when I look at the current multiples that we're looking at, it reminds me, I don't know if you're old enough to remember the tech bubble and the crash of the 2000, but these these multiples are sitting at the same place or higher than we were in 2000. So what, what I mean, if you've got clients who are like deeply invested in the S&P and you're looking at these valuations right now, I mean, what what are they thinking? Are they thinking, well, you know, we're, we can ride this out for another year or are they starting to think kind of like along your lines where it's time to sort of move out of those and get into some just uh, other assets that aren't in the in the equity space. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think for an investor right now, your number one consideration is your allocation. Where and how do you want right. to be allocated in the market? And one thing I would encourage everybody to do is to remain on offense. So what I mean by that is it is defensive to just sit there and go, well, this is what's worked historically. I'm just going to stay where I'm at. I'm going to ride it out. Like we're just going to hedge and we're going to stay where it's at. Well, that that's that's like you you have to remain on offense. You have to actively take a position in understanding what's happening in the market. So if you're not taking an active position in in stewarding your finances, you're taking an active position in being a bad steward. So first, this is, yes. this is the question that, that Matt's asking. Like he's asking these questions because he wants everybody listening to start taking uh, ownership over your stuff. Even if you're working with somebody and put it out there, you have to take ownership. And with these valuations, yeah, I, I've got a lot of people that are beginning to hedge. They're, they're becoming, um, they're beginning to allocate money outside of this market. And so they're looking at it as, well, it's grown, it's inflated, and the valuations have gone up. 
Well, now's the time for them. It's like you're up at the casino, you know, take yeah. some chips off the table and reallocate them into areas to balance your portfolio in a way that's going to align for you specifically in your time frames and your time horizons and into assets you believe in. So, you know, you may not believe in quality real estate and uh, different types of crypto like I do, but you need to decide what you believe in. And, you know, I can tell you all the reasons why we believe in and why we believe it's going to, you know, do well in this season. But that's a decision you're ultimately going to have to make. You got to do your research and figure out where you want to be. But I will say for those specifically that um, are probably overexposed inside that market because of the growth and valuations, it's probably a good time to consider reallocation. And so that's what we're seeing is we're seeing a lot of people who are uh, evaluating their portfolio on a regular basis and saying, how much do I want where? And they're beginning to take profits in areas like, like the stock market, and they're beginning to pull profits out and reallocate those into more tangible assets, into areas that they feel like have uh, greater long-term value, even if the price isn't exactly um, where we're talking about. You know, you, you mentioned mining stocks. So you believe mm -hmm. in the long-term value of that, even if today's price isn't reflective of that value, which actually makes it a great buy, yep. right? When you believe the long-term yeah. value significantly more than today, it's a great buy. So that's what you got to look at is, if let's let's imagine you're in a stock for $100 right now and and you got to ask yourself would I buy this again today for $100 and if the answer is no if you don't think it's worth $100 today then it's probably not where you want all your money right you got to ask yourself I'm making a purchase today so every day you you either make a purchase or don't make a purchase you're still agreeing to the price at that level right Yes. So if, if, if you've seen your portfolio rise to a certain level, you have to ask yourself, would I reallocate money at these same prices? And if the answer is no, then you probably got to start asking yourself some allocation questions of how to reallocate with inside of that space. So if you wouldn't buy it at the current price, then it's probably um, not where you want to stay. Yeah, agreed. Well, and, and the reverse of this is that I definitely have investments that are well down. And yep. I would buy them over and over and over again yep. <laughs> at, at dollar cost in because now they've gone on sale since I bought them. So it's like having bought a car right before the, they issue a rebate, but I still love the car. And so now that they're issuing the rebate, well, I'm, I might buy a second one because exactly. um, I believe in it in the long run. So real quick, I want to go back. We are going in no order. But I want to talk about crypto real quick. Yeah, let's do it. I want to talk about something that was bone chilling that happened this week. And that was, um, and I'm going to read this. This is from uh, Deputy Prime Minister from Canada, okay. uh, Christia Freeland. She said, quote, in a press conference earlier this week, the names of both individuals and entities, as well as crypto wallets, have been shared by the RCMP, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, with financial institutions and accounts have been frozen frozen and more accounts will be frozen okay so now what they're doing in canada which our neighbors yep. to the north which we all love they're taking protesters and people who financially supported protesters and freezing their accounts which to me is a great, great argument for Bitcoin that hasn't been really, you know, the, the lack of seizability isn't the, the main thing that you mm -hmm. hear about when you first learn about crypto. Um, so how, as someone who knows the crypto market, mm -hmm. how do you feel that crypto can help protect your wealth? Excellent question. Excellent point. Um, what you're seeing here is you're seeing a government who's censoring your ability to spend your money how you want to spend your money. 
They're basically saying, if you don't spend your money in a way that we agree with, you can't spend it. Right. They're, 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 I mean, that's, it's crazy. So I, I, I feel totally crazy. All of our Canadian brothers and sisters right now. And the answer is Bitcoin fixes this. So Bitcoin is a monetary network that cannot be frozen. It is not controlled by a centralized party. It cannot be changed, cannot be stolen, and cannot be pulled out from that blockchain. You have full autonomy, full authority to make purchases and to spend your money where you want. So it's not just the bank. So like GoFundMe had raised like $9 million. And then GoFundMe actually was like, hey, we don't agree with where you're donating money. We're going to take the $9 million. Well, and what has happened, then people are like, well, what if we start raising in Bitcoin? And then people began sending Bitcoin because nobody can stop you. You can send it wherever you want. So it's not just about um, protecting yourself from tyranny, which that's exactly what this does. Bitcoin 100% does that. But it gives access to a financial network globally to anyone that has a cell phone. So there's there's billions of people that don't have bank access right now yep, around the world. But if they had a cell phone, they could be plugged into the monetary network and you could exchange with them. It would revolutionize the entire world and actually probably do more humanitarian effort than almost any any humanitarian organization combined. Right. So same thing, like I've got some ministries that I support so that, you know, as as a man of faith, that's something that I believe in. I, I put money towards ministries. Wherever you spend your money, just know you probably have areas you want to spend your money. And I don't ever want people telling me where I can and can't spend my money, right? Have you ever gone to the right. bank and asked you for, for your money, right? That's a bank problem. That's exactly what Canada is dealing with. And, and even on the U.S. side, right? Now they're monitoring accounts with over $600. They're trying to see everywhere your money's going. I mean, you have to tell people why you're wiring money. If you want to send funds international, it can take days and you got to get approvals and why you send it there, who you send it to. Well, for instance, right now, this ministry, I've got an industry, uh, a ministry I support in India. Okay. And um, I wanted to send some money over there. Well, you know, in the past, I had to go through Western Union. And with Western Union, one, they're taking a 20% fee right off the top. So, I mean, it's very costly. Two, the people I'm sending it to, because of where they're at, they've got to travel an entire day just to get access to it. Then they got to travel a day back. Well, imagine they've all got cell phones. I could actually send it to them. And within minutes, they could have access to that financial um, instrument coming to them, directly to them. So um, yeah, it doesn't, it not only protects from tyranny, but it gives you real sovereignty over your money. So like I said earlier, if you believe in freedom in any type of way, um, Bitcoin offers that to you. And so it's not just an investable instrument. But it's it's a policy. It's a property that allows you to not only have a good investment, but also, I mean, you're plugging into a network that can can make a uh, global impact um, in a very significant way. Absolutely. Yeah. I The whole remittance uh, economy, if you look at third world countries, remittances are a huge portion of their GDP. And therefore, if remittances are such a big part of the economy and that much money is moving into their countries, if Federal Express, or I'm sorry, if uh, um, Western Union, uh, Western Union yeah. and um, MoneyGram yeah. 
are in there getting a taste of all of these transactions and it it it, it sometimes exorbitant rates sure then talk about profiteering that's mm. serious when when you're a, a, a hispanic landscaper in portland oregon and you are struggling to send home you know a couple of hundred bucks back to guanajuato mexico yep. and and western union is taking seven percent or more of that that's not good and Bitcoin fixes this. Yep. Also, if you look at the, the El Salvador situation, there were tons of case studies about people like you're talking about where they live in a remote village, they're unbanked, yep. there's no Western Union anywhere close to it, they gotta get on a bus, go into a town, get, it, get their money in cash, which exposes them to the risk of getting it stolen, mm -hmm. then travel a day back. The inefficiencies of the current global monetary remittance system are are astoundingly bad. Yeah. So yeah, Bitcoin fixes this, and uh, and and that's just one one aspect. Okay, so as long as we're talking about cryptocurrencies, <laughs> how do you invest in cryptocurrencies? You your firm has a fund that that is essentially a hedge fund for high net worth investors that invest in cryptocurrencies. Is that the case? That's correct. Yeah. So we have a hedge okay. fund that's focused in blockchain technology and cryptocurrency, and um, really the main focus of the fund is giving people access to invest in a diversified, uh, actively managed index. So it's our team who's doing all the daily research, doing all the daily management and going out and finding the projects that we really believe in. We're looking for projects with you know, great adoption, great teams behind them, great use cases and in a strong network effect. And so that decision-making process obviously puts together an index with inside this space. And our, our firm is about giving investors the opportunity to invest into this market where they can be actively managed and with a professionally uh, managed group and team. So yeah, that's, that's what we do uh, full-time. Gotcha. Cool. And uh, are you finding a lot of interest in this? And does that kind of come back to this whole, uh, you know, inflation monetary policy and, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, everything we talked about on the front side of this and all the considerations of inflation, all the considerations of where the economy is at as a whole, and then where we believe things are going, we believe that uh, blockchain technology will be instrumental and revolutionary and uh, play a, a very significant part of where everything's going in the future as far as uh, utilization. Um, right. And then as far as an investment vehicle, um, it's a great opportunity where people are are able to allocate now and actually work with professionally managed teams. And and so yes, we've had a, a ton of a ton of growing interest. It's a it's a very exciting time because people are learning more and more about um, just how revolutionary and how great this technology is. Obviously, you've got you know a couple years ago, you know you've got the Ray Dalio's, the Elon Musk, the Mark Cuban, who are all saying you know it's a bubble, it's a scam, and then now all of them right. are you know, in love with it, right? Ray Dalio says he'd rather own it than rather own Bitcoin than a bond. You know, Elon Musk basically, you know, he's done billions in it now. You've got uh, Mark Cuban who says almost majority of his money is going into this space now because people don't realize that it's so much more than just, it's not a currency. It, the, the word's been applied there, uh, but really what you have is you have Bitcoin, which is more of a monetary network. And then you have um, all of the other, what are called alternative coins, which really, um, are more like companies or it's more of a venture capital type of play where you're evaluating the use cases and their things like that. So the technology would be like, okay, the internet exists now, what's gonna be created because the internet exists? Well, 
that's that's blockchain. And then the individual projects within top of it are all, you know, have direct application and utilization that they're trying to achieve with inside that space and create utility for real world use cases. And so, yeah, I mean, the rate at which people are wanting to come into this space is incredible. It's the fastest uh, growing technology in history. And um, it's exciting to be able to talk about it and share it and uh, provide investors access because I think a lot of people now know they want to allocate into the space, but they're not 100% sure how to do it, right? And they're not going right, to go out right. and you know do all of it themselves. They're looking for professionals to be able to help them. And so that's why we created what we created. And not just that, but for, our, I'll just say our own selfish reasons too. This is where we want to invest, right? <laughs> Whenever I said, right. like we want, we're in cryptocurrency, blockchain technology, we've got a fund there and we've got a fund in real estate, self-storage, mobile home communities. We created those because that's what we believe in. So we're going out and saying, this is what we're doing. This is what we believe in. And then it's basically to the investors, if this is what you agree with and are in alignment with, come partner with us and join us. You can do it with us, right? So that's really how the, how the firm works. You know, we're, we're going where, what, in the areas that we believe in, so. Okay, that makes perfect sense. And, you know, for most humans out there, especially our, our high net worth friends, you don't have a lot of spare time to devote to learning about this stuff. And I can tell you that for me personally, I'm, I'm part of the class of 2021. I did buy my first Bitcoin in 2017, but like an idiot, I sold it gotcha. um, <laughs> because I was excited about being able to take a loss and I didn't wash sale it. I just sold it and took the loss like an idiot. Um, so, but I returned to the flock in 2021 and um, I am kind of obsessed with it, but I can tell you that I am an active participant, but I spend at least two hours a day trying to stay current yeah. in this field. And most people don't have a, the four hours a day that I spent for six months Before last that, year yeah. learning about it. And then two hours trying to stay current. So having a firm like yours that is, is in the trenches looking at this stuff and reading about it and learning about it and, and following the new developments is, is huge for people. Yeah. And, and that's really what, um, your high net worth individuals are looking for. They're looking for somewhere they, someone they can partner with, right? right. They, they understand they want to be allocated here. They're looking for the allocation opportunity. And then they're really then trying to vet and find a group that can service that. And so that's where we step in. You know, um, We're excited to be able to be in this space. There's not many out there right now that are able to do what we do. And um, you know, it took, took a significant amount of time to go through the compliance checklist and I get everything uh, taken care of, but um, you know, now that we're here, it's it's been it's been really incredible and strong team that's been outpacing the market year over year, and um, yeah, we're happy to be able to to work with people and to pro provide that for them. That's awesome. Okay, well then, that being the case, let's say I've got listeners. I have a lot of. I mean, my audience is all, pretty much all self employed people. Okay. Say we've got someone who's not an accredited investor, but who still wants to to learn. You've also got a, a, a another program for people like those. Is that correct? Yeah. So like you mentioned, for the actual fund, our, our specific funds, whether it's the real estate fund or uh, the crypto fund, um, that is only accessible to accredited investors due to certain compliance restrictions and things like that. Sure. And, um, you know, for those who are not accredited, we we want to provide education because we believe in this market long term. And so we've got one of our partners specifically who um, kind of sits at the head of this. And um, 
we have a full course, a training course that's continuously being updated to where you can go in and understand all the fundamentals, how to purchase it, how to buy it, how to secure it, you know, how to take care of it, what exchanges are, you know, recommended, all these types of things of, you know, just your basic 101. And then the course then grows more in depth there. And so we've got a significant amount of education for people to go get started. And then once once they're in that group, that inner circle, uh, they are then added to a group where we do, you know, uh, regular updates, you know, typically, you know, at a minimum weekly updates, but it's typically multiple updates a week where they're seeing new market news, new considerations, going over the technicals of how the market's moving and actually breaking down the charts. So it's fundamental news, it's technical analysis, and they're getting to see that real time so that now that they have the knowledge, they can start uh, learning better how to apply it on an ongoing basis with where the market's at today. So, you know, knowledge without application obviously is is worthless. So <laughs> you've got to be right, you've got to right. you've got to be able to understand it and then you got to be able to go out and uh, put it to use. And so for those that are at a level where um, whether you're in crypto or not in crypto, you know, it's, it's an incredible course. So um, our partner there does an incredible job at, at leading and teaching. He's, he's a brilliant guy. And um, um, so, yeah, that'd be something to check out as well. But for the accredited going back, you know, we run everything turnkey. And um, okay. one, one thing that um, is really neat that I think a lot of people aren't aware of is for those that are already in crypto, we actually roll a lot of crypto portfolios over. And oh, really? Yeah. So we, we have what's called in-kind transfer. So if you haven't okay. heard of it, I mean, you maybe heard of it in other areas, but actually sure. in crypto, we can do an in-kind transfer. So if you just want to get started, obviously you can invest through cash. But for those who are in the crypto markets who are like, well, I've, I've ridden the ups and downs. I've been accumulating. I've been growing my portfolio. But man, if I could have somebody manage that to help me you know, hedge risk on the downside and increase my you know, potential upside, then I'd want to do that. Right. So, you know, we've got people that were, you know, they bought hundreds of Bitcoin back years ago, but they've just been sitting on it. You know, they didn't know just what to do with it. They just know they wanted to hold on to it. Well, now, right. what a blessing. Well, they do an in-kind transfer and then we began managing that for them and helping, again, decrease risk on the downside and then seek to obviously increase um, your potential on the upside. Well, you don't have to sell it into cash and create a taxable event. You can roll directly over with no tax um, liability and your basis actually exchanges over into the fund and we can start managing it for you and then growing it for you from there. So it allows you to compound your wealth there with active management. Okay, so I got to dig down into this a little <laughs> bit. So let's pretend I'm a dude who, who, like you say, I bought 100 Bitcoins in 2013. Yeah. So I've got it in a wallet, but I don't want to have the taxable event of either buying another cryptocurrency with that yep. or selling it for a stable coin and then taking it off the, off the chain. Right. So I can literally send you guys those coins and then essentially I will be invested in your fund, but your fund isn't just a Bitcoin fund. It's a blockchain fund. Correct. Yeah. That's kind of awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no taxable event. So right now for in-kind transfer, we accept Bitcoin, Ethereum and USDC. So okay. if, for anybody that's wanting to get started, obviously you can come in in cash and then from an in-kind perspective, uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, or, or USDC, 
And um, yeah, so we're, we're creating an actively managed index and our goal is to always create alpha, outpace the market for you. We want you to do better, obviously, with under our management right. than you would if you were just sitting in and dollar cost averaging. Interesting. Okay, that's cool. So speaking of Ethereum, okay, what are your feelings about the state of Ethereum? And I, I, I won't ask you to give me a price target, but, you know, we had this, what was it, EIP 1559 last fall, where, the, you know, there were supposed to be some improvements, and it was going to start burning Ethereum each transaction. Yeah. And then we've supposedly got the transition to proof of stake when we go to ETH2 this, this year, supposedly, right. I've got I've got back there a, a gaming computer that's mining ether right now, nice. um, which is not make. I mean, it's only making a hundred bucks a month. I mean, it's it's a LHR card. It's not. It's just mainly as an exercise. But a lot of people are saying that that it won't be proof of stake this year. That 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 wheels are turning slow, and there, there's just a lot of polarity in the Ethereum space. And there's some people out there like Ark Invest saying it's going to be a hundred thousand dollar asset. There's other people out there who are saying it's, you know, Solana is going to be the ETH killer. So <laughs> can you just give us uh, your opinion on the state of uh, Ethereum as it is right now and where it might be? Yeah, so I, I won't get into price targets, but um, Ethereum as a whole, I'll just kind of go general here. Um, we're still bullish. So we agree. Okay. We like Ethereum. Um, we believe that Ethereum will continue to... Um, grow, continue to be a, a large player inside the space. Mm -hmm. Um, we like Solana. There's, there's obviously potential issues with Solana. Um, we also like layer ones, um, are an area that we we're really interested in. So if we just want to talk about, we like Ethereum, we like Solana, we like Terra Luna. I mean, these are all areas mm -hmm. that, um, we, we, we are invested and we've got allocation in, um, each of those. And so, for me, we're not we're not necessarily just trading the news. We're trying to understand the teams behind them and know that there's going to be multiple winners. There's opportunity with inside each of them. And so you have to continuously reevaluate your position, though. So every right. time a fundamental thing changes with inside that group, you have to question your allocation inside that space. So if we had a change where all of a sudden, you know, maybe there was a big management shift or maybe, maybe there was a big a breakdown in the actual, for example, we liked, we liked Cardano a while back, but it just has not been progressing the way it needs that we believe it should have been progressing. And therefore, you know, we've moved away from it for the time being. Okay. It doesn't mean that we may not like it again in the future, but presently we just don't think it's going to uh, bring the same legs that Ethereum or Solana or Terra would bring. So we're gotcha. always reevaluating um, in that, in that space. And we don't ever, I mean, I'd say the only one that we're indefinitely long on right now is Bitcoin and everything else is just a, it's just a monitoring position. And then you're always having to evaluate, you know, where your opportunity costs are of where your capital's at. So I know that probably doesn't dig into all the nuances of Ethereum for you that, that you'd like. But um, at least for what I can share at the moment, I, I tell you that uh, I am net long presently. And um, until okay. different information came up, then my position may change. Gotcha. That's all good. <laughs> and, and I. I do appreciate how the, the Fidelity came out with their Bitcoin report, I think that was called Bitcoin First, and how they very eloquently 
took Bitcoin as its own category and didn't group everyone into the same cryptocurrency bundle yep. that so many other analysts and um, institutions have done. They Bitcoin is sequestered off in its own monetary realm, and the rest are kind of like you said. They're like they're they're like tech stocks. They're like yep. you know internet stocks. Um, I think that people need to know that as a very basic you know, fundamental is that Bitcoin is its own deal. Yeah, that's, that's an incredible point. Um, so we've got, we, we speak live weekly on this with, with the partners and, and share that out. And that was actually something we talked about last night is I, I still see from people inside the space, they're always trying to compare, you know, ETH to Bitcoin or Solana versus Bitcoin or, and I'm right. just like, it's not even comparison, right? It, it, they're, they're, not, they're not the same thing. Right. So right. my considerations as to whether or not I would invest in Bitcoin are different than the considerations I'm looking at whenever I'm considering whether or not I invest in Ethereum. And then obviously, you know, then you have an allocation question of, you know, how much would I want to allocate into which direction? But when you're comparing them one versus the other, it's 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 apples and oranges. They're different just because they both operate on a blockchain doesn't mean they're doing the same thing. It's like the idea that, you know, just because Google and Facebook both operate on the internet doesn't mean they're the same investment. And so right. comparing them one versus the other is an apple and oranges decision, and they should be looked at separately with different considerations. And so, yeah, excellent point. Absolutely. Fidelity got yeah. it right. Anybody that's just trying to compare them blindly, they're really missing the point. It's like, um, like I said, you know, what's Facebook and what's Google? Just because they're both on the internet doesn't mean <laughs> they're doing the same thing. They're not serving the same people. They're not, they're not exactly. maintaining the same function. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, Zach, this is, we're, we're going, uh, we're going a little long here. I could talk about this stuff all day. How can people find out more about you and, um, Boron Capital? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, like we talked about earlier, if you're accredited and you're interested in our specific funds, um, obviously, to get connected with us. And then even if you're not accredited and you're more interested in learning more about the education, um, you both have one path. We typically try to make it as easy as possible. We just say, pull out your cell phone, text the word INFO, I-N-F-O, to the number 31996. So text INFO to 31996. And when you do that, it's going to connect you with us, ask you some questions. Our investor relations team will get with you and... Um, connect with you accordingly. So, and um, obviously everything is then shared in more detail as we get closer and get connected. Gotcha. Great. Okay, Zach. And then um, I'm, are you active on Twitter by chance? I, I am not. Some, some, okay. some on the team are, um, okay. but me personally, I'm not. Um, I actually, I do more on YouTube and Instagram, but. What's your Instagram handle? ZJ Morrow, M-O-R-R-O-W. Awesome. Okay. Well, um, this has been great. I appreciate you being here and maybe I can get back in touch with you maybe at the beginning of next year and we could do this again. Yeah. hundred percent. We may not have awesome. to wait. We don't have to wait a full year, Matt. We can get, okay. We can get back together sooner than that. <laughs> okay. I'm going to put it on the calendar because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of stuff. I mean, we could talk about Ukraine. We could talk about, we could go blue in the face here uh, over the next couple of months of what's going to be happening. So until then, thank you very much for being here and I will talk to you later. You're so welcome. Thanks, Matt. Nothing in this podcast is meant to be financial, legal, or tax advice. Though there's some kick-ass information here, it's for informational purposes only. 
Take control of your retirement planning, but get professional counsel if you need tax, legal, or financial advice. For more content like this, join my mailing list at rogueretirementlounge.com. And if you have questions about retirement investing, entrepreneurship, business, or anything else, my email address is matt at rogueretirementlounge.com. 